There are Jews in the world, there are Buddhists, there are Hindus and Mormons, and then there are those that follow Mohammed's books. I've never been one of them. I'm a Roman Catholic and have been since before I was born. And the one thing they say about Catholics is they'll take you as soon as you're warm. You don't have to be a six-footer. You don't have to have a great brain. You don't have to have any clothes on. You're a Catholic the moment that came. Because every sperm is sacred. Every sperm is great. If a sperm is wasted, God gets quite irate. Thank you. 
was a Capone. Rumor going round, gonna clear right down. Smell like a drop is born. Pick up my mouth, gonna break down my door. Give me way my smoke.
still flowers on the windowsill. No more miracles, loaves and fishes, being so busy with the washing of the dishes. Reaction levels much too high. I can do without the stimuli. I'm living way beyond my ways and means, living in the zone of the in-betweens. Watched on by the distant eyes. Watched on by the silent, oh Still. 
knows where we've been in his octopus's garden in the shade.
this boy until he starts lying. And I'm going to tell the police that you have lied and you are going back to jail. Ain't no police brought nobody, baby. I'm, I'm, that's my mother and father. They, no, they The police are your mother and father. And I don't want you touching me. Yeah, well. You ain't, you ain't so cool. I don't touch in my body. I touch your body, I touch your body if I wanna. I'm not playing with you, man. Don't touch me again. I touch you, I touch you again now. What you think of that? How about that? Take that. Now. Ah, you take that back. Yeah, no. But I hit you last. No, you didn't. You didn't hit me last because I hit you last. Yeah, I hit you last. No, you didn't. I hit you last. And I hit you two times last. And I hit you. I hit you three times. Like one, two, three. And I hit you five, 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 six, five, 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 five,
bitch, but nobody, baby, I'm, I'm, that's my mother and father. The police are your mother and father. And I don't want you touching me.
write a song that had a melody. Song. Uh, Saeed's song flute was one of the few that had a melody. And, well, Naeem had a melody. That was a ballad, though. But, uh, yeah, one of the ballads. But these other things I read, I've just been going to the piano, getting chords, mm. and then I'll take a melody after a while out of the, somewhere out of the chords, you know? Mm hmm. We'd like to thank our sponsor, 
which is Alfred's house of trousers, where uh, anyone, and probably everyone, is supposed to be if they want to get things to cover their legs in this cold, cold, rainy weather we got going on here in Fogtown, San Francisco, California. So, uh, hope you're ready to go back to where, where it all started.
You know, uh, I think we're approaching. That's why uh, we have two listeners. L W A. What was it again? Oh yeah, the other listener thinks they're listening to the L W A F podcast, long-winded as fuck, <laughs> which is two guys watching Netflix shows. So, but we're not that. We are going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube, as our acronym describes. Right now, we're on MutinyRadio.fm every Tuesday, two p.m. Pacific Standard Time, following Found Round Sound with Scott O. Last week, I called him Steve O. Oh, Scott O. Yeah, Scott O. We're also right now on YouTube, as we are every week. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, for the full experience. But you can DYI it today uh, by listening to our podcast and watching a full-length movie on YouTube at the same time. That's the premise. That's what the acronym stands for. Why do you need to know this acronym, Carl? We have a podcast, too. You can find it by searching L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. So you have three options right now. You're listening to us on Mutiny Radio Sunday. You're watching our YouTube channel, or you're listening to our podcast. And all we ask in return, why don't you donate some money to Mutiny Radio? Go ahead to Venmo and send a couple bucks at Mutiny Radio. Uh, Carl... Gosh, good to see you, man. Good what movie are we watching? Oh, I should mention, Carl is a co-host. Gotcha, Carl. Uh-huh. That, means, that means he wrote the theme song. He produces and edits the show. He interviews a celebrity comedian who will do our countdown to the movie today. Every and week. he researches the movie every week. But for today, it's the switcheroo. Carl asked me to research and watch several times a movie and present it today. Carl, what was that movie? That was Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. Oh. Green, that's what you put in the YouTube search engine. Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. Oh. The channel we like is Aminat Oldies. Aminat Oldies. Terrific. Well, I'm really excited about that. Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. <clears throat> and you know what, Carl, maybe if we're good, we're good, and I don't have to pull this car over. I will sing you the folk song, Green Grows the Rushes. Oh, okay. I'm Which, looking forward to that. Oh, are you? I don't think you are. Well, I'm pretending. 
I don't think you want to know what this is about. You want okay. to know what it's about? Well, it's, there's washes and they grow. And when they grow, they appear green. Oh. So, okay, fair enough. Do you, do you know the, the REM cover? Green rust, the green grow the rushes? Okay, so I did watch this film. And when I searched Why? for it. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, just so I wasn't out of context. I didn't do yeah. any. Re I only watched right. it once. I hardly fair paid enough. attention. And I did see REM come up. Now, I was an REM fan. I thought I knew everything they did. I did not know they did. They did a song called Green Grass Rushes. And if I could understand what the fuck he's saying, I think it is the, the folk song, which I will sing at the end. Okay. You know how you know how the 12 days of Christmas is Christmas is Christmas? Because but it's not Christmas because we're not singing about anything Christian? Yes. It's the same song, the but mm -hmm. every single night there's a fucking something about religion in it. So we're going to have to wait till the end of this movie. Man, we got a packed show for you tonight. Not only did we have an amazing introduction, we are going to watch Greengrass the Grushes. Go ahead, into your searches. Search for it. Okay. In the YouTube search engine, everyone put in Green Grow the Rushes, right. 1951. And the channel we like again was, what is an oldies? You're not going to find a lot of channels. I'm a nuts oldies, right. It's the only movie version of Greengrass the Grushes. Yo. You did it again. Greengrass. Green. green Rose, oh. the rest is, oh, oh, God, fuck. And I think right. that, that title has nothing to do with this film. I mean, they're in a marsh. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of Mr. Show. They could call it Flippity-Doo, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's 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 crazy British farce. Uh, green, grass, aggressive. So go ahead, hit that link, hit pause, Again. move to zero, zero, zero. What, am I not pronouncing the name? Green? Pronouncing isn't the right word. You're using different words. <laughs> green grush the grushes grow right green grow. grush the grushes 1951 grow. that's what you don't put in the youtube search engine listen so we did the introduction we told them where to go they got the link we're about to launch into a pre-recorded interview carl did with a celebrity comedian who is going to launch us into the movie so yeah. we have yeah and then we'll be watching the movie and at the end i will sing this fucking song all right so what a pack <laughs> You know, most of these bad movie podcasts, Carl, they're two hours long because they talk about the movie. Ours is two hours long because we talk over the entire movie. Right. Right. Much better. Okay. All right. So we're going to kick this off, Carl. I am obviously very animated and excited to see this movie. So let us meet Carl. With He's going to talk to a celebrity comedian. We'll learn about the celebrity comedian. And then they will do the countdown. And when they say go, hit go. And we'll see you then. I'll see you then. Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Vahe Ho! Welcome, Vahe! Thank you so much. It's fantastic to be here. I'm Mike Spiegelman. I'm on this interview, too. I'm a good friend with Vahe, and I'm glad to have you on the Celebrity Comedian Countdown portion of our show. Usually Thanks. these interviews are conducted by Carl. We're going to pick your brain, Vahe. I know Vahe is a comedian in San Francisco, a very funny comedian, and also probably one of the best showrunners, has the best show, better than Cheaper Than Therapy, better than The Punchline, better than anything you're going to see. In fact, it, it's baked in the title, The Best of SF Stand-Up Showcase. Uh, Vahe, what led you into doing this? How did this happen? The show? The one yeah. that we've been doing for eight years? Um... Well, I always knew I kind of wanted to have my own show because it's kind of nice. It gives you a lot of artistic freedom to experiment in whatever way you want because nobody can tell you that, like, they don't want you doing that. 
um, except the audience. And the audience hasn't told me that. Like the audience, you know, we've developed kind of a, a little bit of a following of people who like know where the show is every Friday and they come back and we feature the best comics in San Francisco. Like Mike, you've in the been title. Yeah, it's right there in the title, and uh, it's fun. So, how did it come about? Yeah, I just, I just, um, well, we did a show for Variety, and then I approached them afterwards, and I was like, because it went so well, it was awesome, and uh, I was like, hey, do you want to work on like a regular show? And uh, they said, yeah, and so we did that, and it wasn't through like, without like their great cooperation, it wouldn't be possible because like. We certainly went through a lot of rough and rocky times. And I think, Mike, you were probably there for many of those. Yeah, I uh, should say, full disclosure, I worked the door for Vahe uh, for several years. The Variety Theater is one of the best theaters. It is one of the weird hidden gems in San Francisco. It's, it's a critics uh, theater screening room where for during the 90s I went once. Uh, but they all, you, all the critics would see the movies there. And it's run by the Variety Theater, which is a charity group that does these charity runs. And does the Vahe's live show. Now, what got you into comedy, though, Vahe? I mean, what was the reason? What was your voice? Um, so always as a, as a child, like in school, I was, like, making people laugh and trying to, like, be silly. I was, like, always, like, the silly kid, you know? And uh, I think I was always, like, trying to... Because there was a lot of seriousness around me all the time, I felt like. I think I grew up in, like, a serious environment and stuff. And uh, I was trying to, like, break through that. And then... In high school, I did some, like, on-stage stuff, and it went, like, really well. So then I was like, oh, I really like this. And then I moved down to San Diego, and I started making trips to, like, the Laugh Factory. Um, but there's a comedy store on Pearl Street that I would go to um, sometimes and, like, some other stuff. And at that time, I think I was, like, 17 when I went up at the, the Laugh Factory the first time. And I told this story on Zoom. It was funny because, like, I went up on stage. I was really nervous. And uh, I went to the bathroom beforehand, and uh, I, so I then I go up on stage, and uh, everyone starts like laughing, and I think I'm doing really well. But it turns out my zipper is down. I didn't. See my <laughs> Classic, right of passion, right of uh, comedy. Yeah, and then the guy, you know, uh, what's the guy's name? Like Jamie or whatever. I, I went up and like talked to him after that, and I don't even know if he saw because I think he would have mentioned something about the zipper being down. Like you know how he gives advice to people. So he told me, like, do comedy. It was either a hundred more times or a thousand more times and then come back. So in other <laughs> words, don't come back for, like, a really long time. But I think it was cool that he, like, did that for comics, you know, because he was, like, the owner. I don't know if he still does that or what, but I didn't go there a ton of times because it was, like, an hour away from where I was going to school. But when I did, I got that feedback from him. and It was, like, a cool thing. So, yeah, it's the importance. I mean, the, the shows are for the audiences, but it also really does help comics to have like a kind of a solid place to, to go from. Pretty memorable. One of the things you guys did during the pandemic, I, so I was working with you and there was a big argument of whether or not you should run the show. I think it was March of 2020 at the time. And you guys went off and went virtual uh, doing interviews and then kicked off probably one of the most successful still running Zoom shows out there. How do you feel with having that title? <laughs> Um, it's cool. I like it because I like doing the show and stuff, but I think Zoom comedy does have, like, a bad connotation to it because I think people associate it with the pandemic, and also it, it kind of removes, like, the person-to-person -person element of stand-up, which I think many comics, like, hold so dear. Um, but it is a form of human connection, and I think it will be around in the future, and I think, you know, based on the people that come, you were on the show last night, 
It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and you had a hundred audience members, and uh, uh, it was, they all have a kind of a community thing. It, it was it was pretty rock solid. You know, I feel like Zoom shows are like CNN. Like once there's a national emergency, everyone's clicking onto it. You know, we just have to wait for another uh, another pandemic. But I, I do think like the the cat's out of the bag, and and you guys run a real pro professional show too. Like um, you had some notoriety because somebody fucked on uh, live. Can I bring that up? I don't. I don't want to albatross you, but uh, aren't you the show where someone fucked on live? A couple fucks. Uh, yeah, but it was like a tasteful fuck. You know, it was like it was like one of those like softcore porn movies. It wasn't like a hardcore. Right. But, uh, I mean, you know, the way I, I think about that is like during the pandemic, we all did a lot of crazy stuff, you know? <laughs> and I think we should all get like a pass for those couple years. I mean, geez, like, there's enough holding people accountable for every little thing. It's like, can we get, like, a pass during the pandemic? I mean, yeah, they had yeah. sex. I personally don't think sex is, like, a dirty, bad thing, personally. But, yeah, a lot of people thought it was bad. And, uh, well, they came They came to see the show. They came. They were focusing on stand-up, and yeah. any kind of extra stuff, they probably didn't appreciate it, maybe? I doubt it, but they, they came for the comedy, so they, they probably said, this isn't the comedy let you know yeah and i think our name can be misleading because it's a very like generic and kind of but also specific name you know but we, there's a lot that falls under that umbrella you know we add like a lot of personal uh kind of touch to what we do and i, I think guess, some people yeah. are like they think it's like this thing and, and i think we've struggled with that because it is kind of a poor like marketing communication i guess in a way but uh but no, that was fun and that was memorable, and I don't regret that happening. Is there any like uh, suitable for work uh, crazy accidents happen on, on the Zoom show you want to bring up? Something that hasn't happened on a live show or? Hmm. or... Well, like it's always funny when you like tell a joke and then you hear someone like flush the toilet. You know, like <laughs> um, it really gives like uh, it's always such a humbling experience to do zoom comedy like honestly i think it keeps my ego in check i have like a problem sometimes with my ego and i think it like has kept me extremely humble so um but yeah crazy stuff i mean the nakedness people like we get the zoom bombers and it's funny because the zoom bombers they come on and they mess with the show and i'm like you know we have like an open mic portion of the show like you can actually do a set <laughs> you don't have to like do whatever you're doing and then after I said that, I was like, we want you to be, like, part of the show. Like, we love the energy they bring. Because, like, anybody who logged on to do anything, it's like they're bringing some kind of energy to what you're doing. And uh, so we kind of, like, worked a few of them into the fold. And they're, like, really young kids, you know? Yeah. So, and honestly, it's scary. Like, I hope that's not representative of all the young kids out there. Because, like, no, that's all that's the young our kids. future as a country, then we're kind of like, yeah. So you got to pipe pipe for them into the right direction, Bahe. You got to be the ringleader in the future. Yeah, I think comedy is great for that. Yeah. Yeah. One thing. So your live shows and your virtual shows are kind of crash landing together. Can you talk about your upcoming live event? Uh, granted, it's Halloween right now, but uh, you have you and uh, Christopher doing a show at the Moscone Center. Yeah. So we got an email from this uh, convention uh fan expo at moscone sf and they're like do you guys want to stream or no they said record what you're doing on our like stage at the conference and uh i was like hell yeah i was like but we do a live stream and then he said at the moscone center the wi-fi is really bad so they, they don't won't do a live stream but they'll do like a three camera shoot recording where they like edit it like people edit it and stuff and it'll be seen live 
like from the people who were there. And I was like, obviously, I really wanted to do that. So, so um, it would be a live, so people can go to the convention, see this live, and then you guys will edit it as a as a Zoom show, and then post it on YouTube or on your socials. Yeah, yeah, and I think like they're gonna give us a lot of freedom in terms of what we do because this has evolved, and now it's like a competition, you know. Um, yeah. Of- yeah, you competed last night. I thought I got three percent to the vote. Three percent? Yeah, that okay. that's myself because as a comedian, I learned you always vote for yourself. You're you are the funniest person in the room at all times. Totally. Otherwise, yeah. no one's gonna say that. So you always have to that's vote for so yourself. Right. Yeah. There was yeah. a one new time comic last night. God bless this gregarious gentleman. Uh, as loquacious as he was yesterday. He's like, I didn't vote for myself. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not a comic. That was his first time performing, so he hasn't learned that lesson. Yet. I know. Well, it's it's stuck, it's it's stuck out to me. I didn't say anything because I didn't want to uh, influence. I didn't want to encourage him. But, you know, you got to be cold to the new comics. They got to have a thick skin. Yeah, totally. I think he'll learn that. And Because uh, if you don't vouch for yourself, like, everyone else is like, got, you know, a lot of comics are mostly focused on themselves, you know? They're not really in the business of helping, like, other comics so much. And I get it because it's so hard just to help yourself. Well, it's also a sole proprietorship, and, and you have to be driven, which means you're going to fuck people over if you really want, want what you get. It's, that's why you're driven, quote-unquote. That's Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've never fucked anyone over that I know of, um, and... That's probably why I'm not successful. So like, yeah, you gotta keep your eye on your prize. You gotta put your blinders on, and you gotta fuck everybody around uh, around <laughs> you to get to what you want. And then you get it. And then you then you uh, I don't know. Fuck off. I don't know how it goes. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Vahe, uh, I was, so let's let's get some uh, uh, links where people can find you as a comedian, uh, your dates, uh, and also your this show that's Runaway uh, live and virtual. Okay, yeah, so the virtual show is virtualcomedy.net. Um, virtualcomedy.com was taken, which is weird. Uh, Pandemic. Yeah, and then uh, bestofsfstandup.com is, like, for the live show. The classy room, and it's a classy show. It has great, great, uh, I mean, these are seats for critics to sit down and watch John Leguizamo in the past. So you know these are the softest, greatest ass hugging seats you're ever going to experience for a live performance like you know yeah. it's a great room which kind of works against it i think at times but oh they get too comfy yeah because you don't want to be too comfy it's a common known fact right that you don't want to be too comfy during a comedy show i guess so. yeah you got to keep the cold the temperature cold cool uh so we got all your links we are now at the part of the uh interview of the celebrity comedian countdown where you our celebrity comedian will do a countdown to our movie this week Bye. Take it away. Okay. So, uh, three, two, one, go. All right. Well, thank you so much, celebrity comedian. Oh, we are acting this film. Yeah. Green grow the rushes, as I've been saying. <laughs> we have been saying a... something. I've been saying something. This is the marsh, Carl. This is great. No, this is the United Kingdom. Great Britain for sure. You know, I love I've seen... the accents in this film. Oh my god! Yeah, absolutely. Because we have a powerhouse of actors in this movie, and two of them are definitely known for their voices, and they crank it out. I'm talking about Roger Livery, who is the captain in this movie, and then of course we have young Richard Burton, 
Yeah, very young. <clears throat> well, you know, he's a. I did a little research, Carl. I went to Wiki and I went to IMDb, but for Richard Burton, I watched a movie called In from Out the Cold. In from mm-hmm. In from the Cold, a portrait of Richard Burton. It was a 1965 documentary. That's, that's early. Well, you know, it was Cleopatra was 63, so they were Three Ring Circus at the time with that okay. marriage. Yeah. So, you know, but, oh, by the way, any resemblance to any living person, an actual event, coincidence, would be a miracle. Oh, this must be a farce. <laughs> this must be a bureaucracy. <laughs> and sure enough, here is a beautiful Southeast England, Kent, and here comes bureaucrats. Oh, with their bowler hats. Bowler hats and their glasses. Now, these three guys each have their own personality for bureaucrats, and they're going to, like, diss on each other throughout the film. It's a, I have to say this film is really good with characters. Uh-huh. But I want to just call out this moment. So they, they arrive to this marshy area, and they control this land. And the way it's shot, this guy, Nigel Twist, the director, look at this. They, they hover over the land. They look like go- bureaucratic gods that own this area. <laughs> Isn't that a re- it's remarkable, right? To start yeah. this movie off like that, it's pretty cool. Look at them; they're gods, surveying all they survey. They are actually from the uh, agriculture, uh, the Ministry of Agriculture and Fishery. Gotcha. And they're down here in Angela de Pong. I forget the name of it. I have it, but basically, all this marshland is not being used for farming. That is, uh, people are starving out there. People need their, yeah, you know, and they talk a lot about the history. So I guess like, I don't know anything about America, right? So if you, we watch a movie about the South and they believe that they run themselves and they have Mm -hmm. a a bootlegging operation, you know, they're gator and they're doing, I would be like, yeah, makes sense to me. So this movie is kind of similar. So this area has history. Like, uh, they talk about Henry III a lot in this. Yeah, Henry III, Henry III decreed that they are they govern themselves. They have yes. autonomy over themselves. So they have a charter. They have a, a corporation charter, and they actually have Charter Day, which they're going to celebrate in this movie. But they have their own magistrates. Ma- they have magistrate. Their own, mm-hmm. Yes. And so this bureaucracy group is ready to take over the land, but they're going to butt heads with them. And one thing they're going to mention, which is very romantic, is that this area was known for bootlegging. Smuggling! Yeah, like brandy in particular. And But that was the old days, Carl. They don't have it now. But they're right. curious, like, how come these farmers have great houses and they don't have any... Uh, they have a couple cows grazing. That's about it. All right, so here's one of them. Smuggling! Uh, this guy is always sick. I've been sick for two years. I have these colds. He's got a two, he's got a cold. How's your cold this morning? Same as ever. Same as ever. Could it be allergies? Hmm. What do you think it is? Okay, so here's Gil, Colonel Gil. And he's being interviewed by Honor Blackman, who we don't have any Star Trek connections. But yeah, the closest we do, closest we have to a Star Trek connection is her, Honor Blackman, who has been in every single iconic British TV show. <laughs> I would say the Avengers. She's dressed okay. up in leather. Uh, she was in Coronation Street in the two thousands, famous sitcom. But and how does she tie into Star Trek ever so loosely? Well, she was also in Doctor Who during the eighties. Okay. And she was in the Saint. 
with Roger so Moore. So doesn't tie into Star Trek what? at all. Yeah, Star Trek is, a, is an iconic American show. American, a show. Not yeah, but what English. the fuck is Doctor Who fucking the Avengers and the Saint? I mean, you can't They're get more Star iconic. Trek. But the, uh, uh, They're iconic. Rather watch, would you would rather watch Star Trek over the Avengers? The, well, the that's TV an interesting show. question. It depends on my mood, but I guess yes. So if you want to jerk off to women in leather, then the Avengers. Well, Avengers is not going to have a green girl. Now, that's some jer jerk-off fodder right there. Okay. Wow. These are great conversations we like to have. So, uh, and she's also obviously known, there she is, for uh, playing Pussy Galore and Goldfinger. That's Whoa! Really? Yeah. That's her. Terrific! And she died 94 years old in twenty, the year 2020. That's great. 94. That's a ripe old age. Now, he goes, what, are you laughing at this? And she goes, no, it's just the way my face was made. Looks like I'm laughing all the time. <clears throat> yeah, oh, yeah. Basically, the, the marshland, you know, he's talking about this charter, the corporation. Liberty. And... <clears throat> liberty. Oh, they're right, the Liberty. Liberty Charter. And that's why they called it that, because they they're autonomous. Now, this was actually based on a novel. A uh, guy named is Howard Cl uh, Chloe Clues. The uh, best thing I can say about him is that Howard Clues. So, like, uh, like Daniel Clues, Clues, I guess. Okay. C -L -E -W. If it was Howard Clues, he'd be like the rich guy, the aviator. Howard Hughes. A lot of OCD. A lot of OCD. Uh, no, it's like I guess Clues, like Daniel Clues. It's C L E W E. He also okay. wrote a book. Uh, called the uh, long memory, and one of the oh the long memory. When I got to the end of that book, I, I close. I I close. Do you, do you? What was the long memory about? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, his, that book was also about the the marshy south uh, east area of England. There is so like a, a reporter, and she was interviewing him about these what these interlopers who are going to try to government whammy jammy them, force them to have farms. Oh, ah, there, he is. there he is. Let's take a listen. There he is. That's the voice. Richard Burton. Richard Jenkins. You know, he had a... Yeah, he had a fucked up family. Well, he was... There was 13 kids in the Jenkins family. Okay. Uh, I have... I, it was 13 because two died in their infancy before I was born. Okay, so they count. Yeah, he sounds like Kevin... Uh, he sounds like uh, Catherine Hepburn. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he was the second youngest. Uh, their mom died after the final kid was born. And it was like a shitty area of Wales. He was from South Wales. I wonder and if all his big brothers were like, yeah, you little punk. And then he became huge famous. He became the biggest brother. At Thanksgiving, they're they like, Mah. This 1965 documentary interviews his oldest brother who lost <clears throat> his foot working in the pit. Like, you either worked in the 